yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. All right, everybody, welcome to the Overcomers Podcast, where we help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. I can think of nobody more perfect, uh, more perfect guest than who I have in front of me today. He's an ultra marathoner. He's a best-selling author. In fact, he's launching his eighth book, and it's called Adversitology, right? Talk about overcoming adversity. It centers around his battle with leukemia, who I believe uh, Frank McKinney is going to help me get all the details correct, but I think he's two years cancer-free now, and uh, I'm super excited to have him on the show today. Uh, he is a real estate artist. He's a, ph a philanthrocapitalist. Uh, just so exciting. Such an exciting guy. Frank, welcome to the show. You know, it's interesting that that your show is all about overcoming adversity. People would think this show was made specifically for my book and for me, right? Because this has been my my drumbeat for the last, when the book was launched March 11th, we just finished a 26 city tour. And, and, and that was the mantra, that was the message. The subtitle, Travis, is overcoming adversity when you're hanging on by a threat. Financial adversity, spiritual adversity, relational adversity, or in my case, physical adversity. I know. I feel like I've done all these shows and now I got like the adversitologist right in front of me. You know, this is. Yes. <laughs> I love that. That in the very end of the book, I'll give away a little part of the end. When you're done reading the book, it's a short read, 186 pages, adversitology. Uh, it, it congratulates you by saying you now earned your PhD in adversitology from an adversitologist. So <laughs> wonderful. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, um, there's so much that we could cover, uh, but I do want to cover a couple of terms uh, that are in the book. I, uh, one uh, really spoke to me and it said about disidentifying. Is that, oh, the, is that the term? Yeah. So one of the most powerful chapters. So, so what I did in the book very simply is I took the word adversity, which is nine letters long. Therefore, there's nine chapters in adversity. First chapter begins with A. Mm -hmm from the letter for the word adversity, that stands for accept. And I take you through how to accept your adversity. You know, the longer we stick our head in the sand, the more our ass sticks out of the ground and get kicked. We go, we, I want to move you through um, denial really quickly because we all go through that, but I want to get you through that quickly. And then the second letter in adversity is D and that chapter is titled Disidentify. So in a nutshell, the demons we fight the demons we fight are the demons we empower. The things that we renounce with our white knuckles are the things we give energy to. Mm -hmm. So in my case, I chose, other than one time in the book, I likely won't say it on this podcast because there's no need. You already referenced what I had. I don't, I don't speak of the word. My doctor was for, forbidden about, to put the, the diagnosis on his charts. I called it an intruder, an unwanted guest. I starved my body of the intruders, which was, I'll say it once, chronic myeloid leukemia. I, I starved my body from that intruder's desire to take my life. 
and 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 disidentification when going through adversity meetings we're not going to identify in, in the simplest terms travis i didn't want to get well cards no balloons no plasma donations no prayer warriors that to me fed the demon that was trying to take over my body and i don't mean demon as in devil i mean the you know, unwanted intruder and and slowly but surely over about a year and a half time I starved that intruder to death through disidentifying with it. I accepted the fact that I had it. I did not deny that, but I disidentified from anything associated with what it was supposed to be, what it was supposed to do to my body per diagnosis and what it wanted to do is I could feel it, you know, in my body. And lo and behold, I, like you said, over two years, uh, when I go back and get my blood test every couple months, it's quadruple zeros, which is what we all want, quadruple zeros. I won't get into the details of what that stands for, but I have as much of the intruder in my body now as you and your listeners do in their bodies. So disidentification allows that to happen. And, and Travis, you know, you, let's say you're going through a divorce, which, which is a relational adversity. The more anger and the more you associate with, I hate women, I'll never date another woman, they're all the same. You're empowering the process of that divorce. I can't believe I got to go see my attorney today. That son of a bitch, he wants another hundred. You're just prolonging the agony. I advocate disidentify from all that, accept it so that you can move to the next step, which is the V chapter. Okay. All right. Can you take us through some of the, I know that we can't do the whole book here, but uh, you know, can you give us some of the concepts? Let's go to the next chapter. That'd be yeah, great. I'll go quickly. So V stands for violate fate. And I'll give you the little, little, you know, soundbite version. Violate fate says when you're going through an adversity, be it physical, financial, relational, spiritual, you will have some well-intentioned, well-meaning friends or professionals who will project their fate when, as it relates to your adversity on you. They will project the outcome as they see it on you. Could be a lawyer, could be a doctor in my case, could be your best friend, could be your guru, could be your spiritual advisor. In that moment, when you're flipping out because you're going through that divorce, you're going bankrupt, you're, you're sick and losing your life, the tendency is, wanting, is, is, to, is to want to take that steering wheel and allow them to dictate that fate for you. I say in that moment is when you've got to take that steering wheel back, violate the fate that they are projecting upon you and you, Pat, you, 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 you grab the reins and you direct that rocket ship to the destination that you want to. It, it needs to be said because in the moment of pain, it's, it's deep pain. You want to turn over control to somebody else. I say you, you, have, you have advocates, you have collaborators, but you don't lose control. You don't give up control. Oh, I, I like these concepts. So, so far, it's kind of shift your focus, you know, because what you focus on grows, right? You know, so it's like, I'm not even gonna allow this word to be written on my chart. And then uh, I'm going to take control. I'm going to uh, quarterback my own health or or be the master of my own fate, you know, as uh, we might, yeah, William Ernest Henley, right? You know, a little poem there. Uh, but, uh, We're not gonna play that game, woe is me. I'm gonna turn this over to somebody else. Let them handle it. They're the lawyer, they're the doctor. No. No, no, no. You, your soul, your subconscious knows which direction you want to take this thing. And, 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 and back, back to that disidentification for a second. I'm going to use an, uh, an example that's a little bit controversial, but see if you and, and certainly your, your listeners can understand. 
you know, if we were in a big room, I would ask the room, how many people have been to AA? And, you know, you get people proudly raising their hand. So how many been in an AA for five or 10, 20 years? You know, so many people have been there for a long time. Why in the world, when you sit down in that chair and you're in your room and you say, hi, my name's Frank McKinney, I'm an alcoholic. When you haven't had a drink in 10 years. Right, right, right. You're associated yeah. with something. You're giving energy to something that you starved a long time ago. Yeah. Quit calling yourself that. Like, I think, I think AA is great. It solved a lot of problems for people, saved a lot of lives. But that part, to me, is flawed. Once yeah. an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I, I, you can beep this out if you want. Bullshit. That is not yeah. true. Yeah, I've never understood that concept myself either because there's so many other things that you could introduce yourself as that are so much more empowering you know, to me, it seems like you're staying married to something that you should have been divorced from a long time ago. Right. Oh, that's yeah. the concept under disidentification. All right. We'll take us to the next uh, next letter. Last letter would be E. This is a little mundane. Uh, this is where people actually lose lose their momentum. This is one of my strongest chapters. There are certain things you have to do the E chapter every single day. You have to apply. I'll give you a silly little one that I've done for matter of fact, I just did it, you know, five minutes ago. Uh, to keep my body alkaline, I have drank the juice of two lemons for three years every single day. Mm. That you know, it's just one one thing I do every single day. I, I ingest uh, spinach every single day. I I'm, I'm religious. I, I pray the rosary almost every single day. There's certain things that you have to do if you want to accept it, disidentify, and violate faith. That it you've got to apply. The, what I call the lunch pail approach, which is just packing your lunch pail and showing up every day, day in and day out. And eventually, you know, you think, oh, man, Frank, you, you, you got a long road ahead, the doctor says. Well, you know what? You apply stuff every single day. You'll turn behind you and say, you know what? I put that road behind me. I'm done. I mean, I've, yes, it's been two years. It was hell for a year and a half. You know, all this hair that's real. I lost it all. I lost all my weight. It was awful. But through the application of every single day, I mean, take take the sculptor of Mount Rushmore, for example. 14 years, Gutzon Borglum shows up at the granite outcropping in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Do you think on day one, let alone day 100, you can make out George Washington's, you know, eyebrow? Right. You couldn't. But every single day with that lunch pail, which was his, you know, tools, he shows up. And 14 years later, you've got one of the seven wonders of the world. Yeah, it's not that long, you know. That's yeah. overnight success. That's the concept trying to be signed every single day. Success is in the routine, and you know, I think for our listeners, um, why is it important to you, somebody who's really focused on their health and uh, won an enormous battle uh, for your health, uh, the alkalinity? Well, I am a neophyte, and I was, <laughs> I was keeping now. By, mind you, I kept my condition from everybody. Everybody except for five people. I'm the oldest of, of six. I have five brothers and sisters. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. My friends didn't know. It was my doc, my well, of course, my doctor, but my wife, my daughter, my spiritual advisor, and my therapist. Mm-hmm. That was the only people that knew. So I had this, and I'm a Christian. Okay, so I don't believe in like the universe. This. And, Anyway, I'm not going to get into that argument, but I had a complete stranger message me right when I got sick saying there's something wrong with you. I can tell it. I can see it in your eyes because I, you know, I was on social a lot. 
you need to alkalinize your body. Mm. I, I basically just kind of hit delete. Mm-hmm. And then I get the diagnosis. I do a little digging and they say the best way to fight this kind of intrusion is through alkalizing the body. I go back and I said that that was a message from the Holy Spirit I needed to and I needed to listen to. Amen. And and ever since then, you know, I, I haven't been sick. I even got a cold since I, you know, since my diagnosis. So it's a small little practice. You know, I'm sure, you know, the, the so so when in lemon, it's very acidic, but the moment it hits the body, it turns into the alkalinity comes like that. I and mean, then it mixes with our saliva and our uh, um, digestive juices. So it's just a small thing, but it uh, it's it's healthy for people who aren't even sick, I would tell you. Yeah, interesting how God can use people, though, to give you something that you really need uh, in a, at a certain time, at a certain moment. You know, that's really awesome. Uh, you got to be open. You got to be open-minded. You got to listen. Yeah, very good. Okay, so we'd be going to uh, R next. R, R is risk it. Risk it. So at the height of the pandemic, at the peak, just past the peak of my illness where I lost the hair and the weight and all that, I decided I needed to put my mind, I needed to take my mind and my body to a place where it was before all this happened, where I felt healthy, where I felt alive, where I felt most alive. I turned to my wife and I said, I got a book coming out in about six months. Not this one. It was my, my prior book called Aspire, How to Create Your Own Reality and Alter Your DNA. I did a pre-release book tour, Travis, in my 1988 Yugo. For those of you who are old enough to you know, know what that is, you're laughing. If you don't, look up Yugo. It's one of the worst cars ever made. I have two of them. I love them. That was in 2006. I did a 6,000-mile pre-release book tour. The purpose was to get that Yugo out to Death Valley where I have run the Badwater Ultra Marathon 12 times, the toughest foot race in the world, according to National Geographic. So I've finished at seven, I've failed five. But that place, Travis, made me feel most alive. And in a moment of potential death, I wanted to risk it in the middle of COVID. Like, you know, everybody's wearing masks, half the hotels were shut down to sleep on the side of the road. My immune system was totally compromised at that point because of the medication I was taking. But I had to do it. I had to take my mind and body back to that place of health before diagnosis. That whole chapter deals with the suggestion, if it's physical, financial, relational, spiritual, of you taking this risk and adventure. It doesn't have to be all the way to Death Valley, but it needs to be away from your house, at least 100 miles away from your house. If you can afford to go further, go further. But if you can't, you take Nothing that has anything to do with your problem, with your adversity, nothing, no divorce papers, no bankruptcy papers, you know, no spiritual fights, no, no issues with my, my, my health. And you put yourself back in a place and you recondition the mind to, to know, to believe that that moment will return. Mm-hmm. And so, I made it there and back. Is it a bit like a, would you describe it like taking a retreat? Like a lot of times with a retreat, we remove ourselves from a situation so that we can get like a different like type of a recharge. Is it like kind of, you know, when you're risking it, like, are you, uh, is that, is that chapter centering around that you got to get yourself in a different environment to feel? No, a way it's, so right, right in this moment that you and I are speaking, I'm in the middle of a, a standard retreat because I'm just burnt from, you know, my book tour and all. This is a retreat with a deep purpose. You're take you're going to identify a place, and for me it was Death Valley, California, and the Badwater Ultra Marathon Race Course. 
that made you feel most alive? Because when you're going through an adversity, physical, financial, spiritual, relational, you, you feel far from alive. You feel, you know, you're getting divorced, you're losing all your money in bankruptcy court, or you're losing your life, or you're having a, you know, a spiritual uh, warfare with God. You don't feel alive. Right, so right. just take yourself. So it's a very purposeful, you could use the word retreat, but there's, there's kind of rules on what you can't take with you. Right. And you're going there, not just to sit back and say, okay, so I'm going to find myself here. No, you got a purpose. Mm -hmm. And what did you do when you got there? Oh man, I cried. I cried. I parked my Yugo at the base of it. It, it was at mile, uh, the mile 42 checkpoint. And I, I ran walk up to the, this, there's a part of the race course. Most of the race course is below sea level, but, but for the first 42 miles, you're actually the lowest point in the Western hemisphere and at 282 feet below sea level. And it, it varies a little bit, but you're below sea level. At mile 42, it finally breaches sea level and it goes to 5,000 feet up. Wow. It's like a 16 mile straight up climb. I parked my Yugo and I power walked that and I ran down 32 miles round trip, still on the medication, still weak. But I put myself, I said, I remember, I remember these, these times in the race when I was you know, battling through this part of the course. I, 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 that was what I did. Like that was the wow. thing that made me feel I wasn't in race mode. I wasn't moving at race pace, but I did the miles and God, I could feel like it was yesterday. Now you've done that race. How many times you said? I've run it 12, finished at seven. Finished at seven. And how long is it overall? It's 135 miles through the Death Valley Desert in July on blacktop pavement. So the ambient air temperature during the day is Average is around 125 degrees. We saw 136 degrees in, in 2007 at, at my race. Uh, but the pavement temperature, the pavement temperature is over 200 degrees. So if you wear the wrong shoes, especially back in the day when shoes were filled with gel, you don't make them like that anymore, the gel would explode out the side. Like it would literally get so hot, it would melt out the side of your shoe nonstop. So this isn't a stage race. You have 48 hours to finish it. You're going up and down three mountain ranges, starting at 282 below sea level, and you finish at around 9,000 feet. But you've done, you know, you've gone to 5,000, and you're down to 2,000, and you're up at six, down to three, finish at nine. Brutal. It's brutal. In that heat, dry, you know, that super dry heat, sandblast, take your hair dryer, put it in front of your face tonight, and you'll feel what we feel for, you know, two days straight. Wow. Wow, that's intense. And while battling leukemia, you essentially did, well, 16 miles up, 16 miles back, you know, 32 miles of that. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. To, to put that race, you know, put that race in perspective, about 5,500 people have summited the top of Mount Everest. There's only 1,200 people that have finished this race. It's that hard. It's that challenging. And I stumbled across it in, in 2004. I raced my first time in 2005. And, you know, I've had seven finishes since then. And I hope someday, you know, my, my next, my next adversity is I'm going to have to have my knees replaced. I want to be the first guy to finish bad water on two replaced knees. Like nobody's done that. There have been amputees that have done it, which I think if an amputee can do it, I should be able to do it with two, you know, two new knees. I love your mindset. I love it. Wow. Okay. So uh, now uh, are we on to uh, the S? The S. Okay. What's the A R risk it S. Yeah. This is, this is the most philosophical chapter. Savor everything, cling to nothing. 
favor everything, cling to nothing, nothing. The clinging in life is the greatest source of depression and anxiety. So as I was starting to get healthier, by the way, this, the chapters kind of flow with my recovery, right? They kind of, I'm getting better as, and by the end of the book, you know, I've recovered. To savor everything, cling to nothing, I realized I was clinging to my blood test results. I was clinging to those things. And any deviation, negative, sent me spiraling. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at all the other things in my life, Travis, that I was clinging to. Like maybe my reputation as a real estate artist or maybe my days at Badwater. Like I love, I cling to it. Maybe it's over, you know? So I've, I've really worked on, and this was, so every single day was, is my easy, for me, it's my easiest application. Savoring everything and clinging to nothing is the hardest shift, mind shift for me since I was sick. And I think it helps that I look death in the face, right? I kind of knew that it wasn't a good idea to cling to something because it could be here, it could be gone tomorrow. But it, it's, you know, we, we have these wonderful experiences. We have these terribly hurtful experiences. I, I want to be the blue sky. In other words, you know, above me today is, is a beautiful blue sky, but tomorrow that could be the blackest of clouds, the, the stormiest of storms. And then you can have some white puppy clouds and some, you know, some, some rain clouds, some, some uh, snow clouds. I want to be the sky. So that chapter talks about being the blue sky and everything else. That storm cloud that's not above me today, but could be tomorrow, will do what? It will pass. Mm -hmm. It will pass. Yeah. So, so be the blue sky and allow these things. Don't cling to that moment of rain or storm because tomorrow is a new day. Right, right, right. So just letting things pass. Um... Uh, be like water, uh, you know, kind of uh, maybe a Lao Tzu type of uh, thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. It's All almost right. like, let's say Overcomers podcast became number one in the history of history. I mean, just number one. You would have a tendency to cling to that. What do I, what can I do to keep that? You can't keep that. So why cling to it? Savor it. Savor those moments, man. Savor them like you would, a, you know, a nice bite of steak. But it don't cling to it because that's the source a huge source right now in society of anxiety and depression. Yeah, you know, I, you know, this really takes me to an important concept that I was able to wrap my mind around right during the pandemic. It was interesting. I, I did not wind up with uh, a confirmed diagnosis, but there was a time where um, I got some blood test results and uh, they didn't know if I was going to have a mass on my brain and cirrhosis in my liver and all these, you know, and I'm like, well, when do we find that out, right? Um, and also during that time, this podcast is sponsored by my fitness franchise, right? So fitness is being shut down. And the concept that I'm really identifying with that you're sharing is I really had to challenge myself and say, who am I? And I'm not what I do, right? Yeah. You know, like that. I'm not what I have, right? You know, I'm not what I've accomplished, right? I mean, because all those things, they might pass. But who am I really? Like, who is my true identity? Who's my eternal self? Uh, so like, I think that that is... Uh, a really good concept that you're sharing because that's what got me through and you know amen you know everything worked out my i wound up with being diagnosed with something better it was hemochromatosis a high super high iron level and just had to have my blood drained for months you know like it wasn't that it wasn't the battle that you faced uh it wasn't uh pales in comparison but during those 
weeks that I'm waiting for these results. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. First my business and then this. But what are we clinging to? Uh, is our identity wrapped up in what we do? Is our identity wrapped up in our possessions? You know, where are we with these things? You know, I think that's really, really good what you're sharing. But it, it's so hard. It's so, you do a wonderful job very eloquently describing one of the greatest challenges to humanity. And I'm going to be a little sexist here and say men suffer more from it than women. Mm. Uh, men's ego is a little bit, it's, we're just wired different. And, and so that ego attachment to your fitness business and everything associated with it, me being a real estate artist and everything associated with it, you know, the real estate rock czar, well, how much is this part of that? And am I going to keep that? And what happens? That all fell out. That flipped me out. I mean, when I was losing right. my, I wore, if the book, I'm very graphic in the book. I mean, there's pictures of me, you know, really thin hair and body and a wig. Like I went through wig. I was wearing wigs because I had an, I had a reputation, man. Sure. Like that part that you just described, if we can get to the bottom of that, like who, you know, I, I can tell you who, Buddha is or Jesus Christ is, and I can tell you who, you know, the greatest philosopher in the world, but I can I really tell you who I am? Mm. You know, that's tough. That is really hard. And, and that's that savoring and clinging process. So, you know, yes, I I I clung to still struggle with some of like you read my bio. Th those are all acronyms that create the caricature that is Frank McKinney. But is it the character that is Frank McKinney? There's a there's a fine line between your caricature and your character. Yeah. And, well, you, you know, know, you know, Frank, I got to say this uh, in Overcomer Nation. Uh, we are so honored to have Frank on the show today, because when you can stare death in the face, you're closer to that answer of who am I than most of us ever get. Right. Because, you, you know, you have to come to terms with a few things along the way and say, hmm, except wasn't that the first one? Except, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, like, except, and now who am I? Who am I if I don't have this hair of the, uh, the rock star? You know, who am I? You know, yeah. Well, the, one of the hardest parts for those who have accomplished stuff is, you know, <clears throat> I always felt like, and even early articles that were written about me said his middle name is Midas. You know, everything he touches turns to gold. Then I began to think I'm covered in Teflon. Nothing stuck to me. Nothing bad. It just until March 11th, 2020, which was the day the country was shut down with COVID and was the day I got my diagnosis. I was on a magic carpet ride for 20 years and that carpet was ripped right out from underneath me. Wow. And I did not know how to handle it. I didn't for, the, for, the, for a good long while. That's why I start with the A letter, accept. I did not accept it for the, you know, the tears. And the, the, when I, I'm, I'm a, you know, as I said, I'm a Christian. When I got the, the news that you better get to the hospital, you could be dying. Like the first chapter talks about that. I smashed everything not nailed down in my house. Mm. I had this tantrum, like in front of my wife, I just threw this tantrum because it just couldn't be. Right. Part of that was due though, Travis, to my best friend, my best friend who was on my crew at Badwater, died of the very same diagnosis two weeks before. So here I'm feeling good. I didn't even feel symptoms until like a month later. It was the weirdest thing. It was a random time to go see my doctor. I didn't go see the doctor because I felt bad. I went to see the doctor because it was time to see the doctor. Mm -hmm. And, and, and my, my white blood cell count was just going through the roof. My friend died from the same thing. And when I, when I saw how he died, I'm like, no freaking way. Like, I'm not 
going to sit with masks on my face and all this stuff. So it was really that acceptance part was really hard for me and learning who the, the real Frank McKinney is underneath all the, you know, accoutrements. Yeah. Well, we said, who am I? So let's go to the eye. That's uh, here's the eye, the eye chapter. Um, make no apologies for my faith. It starts out by saying, if anything in this chapter offends you in, in the manner in which I share how I am not alone, mm-hmm. uh, I ha- it was it was my faith in God. It was my practice of that faith during the times that I was very, very sick and, you know, before and after, of course, but man, I'd really call on every saint I could that I tie back to other times in my life when I was very lonely, except for my relationship with Jesus. You know, I first moved to Florida, I had $50 in my pocket, a one-way plane ticket. I just left juvenile detention for the seventh time in, you know, like five years, my fourth high school in four years with a 1.8 GPA, one-way ticket out of town, we're done with you, go to Florida. And even at that time, at my low point, like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, if I get arrested now, I'm 18 years old, I'm not going to juvenile, I'm going to jail. I found that I was not alone then. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just if you, you indulge me for a second, there's a story in the Bible that's referred to as the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is, is when, when, you know, you know it maybe where the prodigal son kind of goes wayward. For those of you who aren't Christian or don't read the Bible, there's, there's, there's two sons. One takes all his money, squanders it on women and booze, goes out and just blows everything in his life. And then he has to come back. And his father, which is a metaphor for God, welcomes him back you know the guy did some horrible things while he was out there squandering his inheritance but his father welcomes him back so the in the bible the prodigal son goes prodigal son one time if you use it as a verb i've gone prodigal son a dozen times and every time waiting for me is grace mercy love forgiveness and redemption so i i really needed it then and um he didn't let me down yeah really good really good it's funny uh frank i have a book and it talks about being the prodigal son the overcomers podcast and the fitness franchise was started by a guy who survived a decade of incarceration or had to do a decade of it so uh, (laughs) yeah i I can really relate uh so uh i feel like we got a kindred spirit connection going on here today Um, that's a whole other podcast if we have the time yeah absolutely i would uh, I think we need some more versatility on this uh, podcast. Anyway, that is awesome. Um, so yeah, that the I, you know, that you're not alone. Um, as you went through the battle of like, you know, who am I, and and you know, just really facing uh, different things that you had to face. You know, uh, even going out to Death Valley and going up the mountain, both physically and spiritually. Um, this chapter, this chapter with the I. And it speaks about your faith. Did you feel more connected than ever to God and other human beings as spiritual beings? Or um, how was it making you feel to have this brush with death this uh, that you had to confront? It, I guess, in a word, I felt more disconnected from mm-hmm. everything but God. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, so, so in Badwater, when when it's just it's not a matter of going to win; it's it's a matter of survival. Like there are guys that win that go to win, but I'm I'm not that guy. 
And and when you're deep in the bowels of, of the Mojave Desert at mile 108, you know you've got, you know, 27 miles to go and you're just freaking dying. You're raw. You're stripped raw of every emotion, of everything. Like you don't think about social media. You're not th- you're thinking about what I call relentless forward motion. One foot, and I'm not talking about running. This could be crawling, could be puking. I've, I've done the crab claw to cross the finish line before. So that, when I was sick, I felt the same way. Like I jettisoned off everything else, just disconnected from everything else, including, you know, members of my family. And I just focused on that relationship mm. because there was a part of me, just to be kind of honest, I talk about it in the book. There's two forms of, of uh, adversity that we face. Consequential, mm-hmm. meaning we brought it on ourselves, and innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your, your wife's sister's kid gets hit by a car. You know, that, that is, you did not bring that on yourself in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. So I asked the readers very early to, to quantify what type of adversity are you going to be honest? Is this consequential? Or is it innocent? And if you dig deep, most adversities are consequential. Most of them are due to some action or inaction of you. Even though I was diagnosed with something that, um, you know, you would think that was innocent. I'm not so sure it was. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that either behaviorally, prodigal son act, you know, activity, or what I did to my body for so many years did not bring that on. Yeah. So... I quickly had to move from anger, taking the Teflon away, taking the Midas touch away, taking the magic carpet right away, and just, just focus on that relationship. And, and, and where I struggle is, so it worked. I mean, we haven't even got to the T and the Y, but it worked. I have to be very careful that I don't take that for granted, Travis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The miracle. It, it's a tendency from, and, and this is just maybe people listening say, so what? That's Frank. That is a tendency is, you know, I, I put my mind to it and came up with a whole plan, a nine step plan that I decided to write about. It worked. Don't do any, don't, don't, don't jeopardize your progress. You know, mm-hmm. don't, 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 don't think you can undo the will of the universe or, or, or his will every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, take us to the T. T says time to terminate. It's time to terminate this adversity. Short version. Most adversities, if you look back over the adversities in your life, they terminated on their own through the passage of time. Why wait? Why wait for you to suffer? Why do you have to suffer any longer? You don't have to suffer any longer. I chose a date when I hit that day. And I was a year late, by the way. I talk about, I could have called time to terminate a year earlier than I did. But I waited for those quadruple zeros to read quadruple zeros for one full year before I said, it's terminated. It's over. I should have done it the first time I got those zeros. Yeah. I just, you know, was afraid that I was going to, it would come back. And after the year, there was a little hiccup. And I talk about what happened in the hiccup and how the numbers rose a bit and they went back to zero again. So the, the moral of the story is regardless of its physical, financial, relational, spiritual, you determine that after you've gone through these other steps, the time to terminate. And, and there is a page in the book 
it says I, you know, what's your last name? Barnes. 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 Travis Barnes on May 3rd, 2023, terminate, fill in the blank. Like, I'd have you write it down. I'd make you write it in red ink for blood. Like, you're writing it, all the blood, sweat, and tears you went through. I'm asking you to do it in red ink. Mm-hmm. And you, there's two places I ask you to do it. That way, you've called time to terminate on your adversity rather than let that rather than let time take care of it itself. Yes, that's so good. That's so good because there does come a point when we've taken the other steps that we're actually either choosing to stay in it or we can choose to get out of it, right? So it's time to terminate. We're going to take, it's kind of like that taking control, like what you did in an earlier chapter too. You know, it's like another way to, uh, you know, uh, just another step towards your victory, I would say. Uh, it is, it's, 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 it's a little bit beyond in that after you've gotten to this point in your adversity, I don't want you to be associated with it. Like sometimes it's like the Stockholm syndrome. The Stockholm syndrome says that, you know, you're kidnapped and you fall in love with your kidnappers and and like Patty Hearst did, like you, you kind of sympathize with what their cause is because you've been around them so long. I don't want you to get the Stockholm syndrome when it comes to your adversity. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I want you to say it is done. You, you, you almost, you're, it's sad. It's odd. It's a big, weird trick in the brain, uh, Travis, but you, you almost associate with it and it becomes part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And when, 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 you know, like it was for me for a couple of years, what do I do when it's gone? No, I, I never thought that when it's gone, it's freaking gone. Mm-hmm. I never talked about it in the early stages. I ain't going to talk about it when it's over. Really good. I, I'm not, you know, it's, it's like the woman that gets divorced who still talks about her divorce five years later. Like it's, it's yeah. her identity. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. 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 You can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. Right. And you, you sure don't want to live with something that's already done and gone. Right. You know? Yeah. Something You're missing out on the present. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't absorb it into your being. Cause after all you've been through with it, you're so, kind of connected it's time to terminate it very good the last chapter a-d-v-e-r-s-i-t why why not you why not you because the skeptic will have read all the way to t and i break that skeptic down man i break him down or her down saying you still don't think you're ready Mm -hmm. i recapture all eight chapters before in summary all the work you've done to this point Mm-hmm. it's worked for me it's worked for a bunch of other people why not you what what's the reason why not you so wh- it's almost like a time to terminate okay okay wait a minute i put the book down on friday night i picked it up on monday i'm not so sure it's time to terminate no no go to the why chapter and you're gonna see stick to why not you and it's a little bit of a drill sergeant chapter like i'm on you for mm-hmm. You, this isn't going on in perpetuity. You terminated it the chapter before. Now you're having second thoughts. No, no, no. Why not you? Because it works for almost everybody else. That's awesome. Why not you? Why not now? Uh, yep. You know, Frank, success leaves clues. And uh, you've shared a lot about your faith. I think that uh, your mindset, uh, you know, just the whole, you know, you can't write that on my chart. <laughs> We're not going to say this. I think that you purposely didn't share it with your siblings because you didn't want to give something power. You know, you give it more power if everybody knows and everybody wants to come and say, oh, we're so sorry. And, you know, no, no, wait a second. This is not the end. You know, like, hold on. I want to I want to hold that back. So, you know, it's it's spirituality. It's mindset. It's um, 
uh, I know you've credited your doctors a lot, and it sounds like your doctors worked well with you. You had the mindset, and they had, of course, the treatment. Uh, there's heroines in the story, your wife and daughter, as I understand it, you know, a, a good support system. And it seems to me that between the, the support of the family and the doctor, the mindset and the spirituality, it, it seems to me to be a bit of a trifecta that you are working uh, together. Would you say that? or uh... I, I would say that. And I will say about my wife and daughter, it's really important. So in the book, in chapters one, three, five, seven, and nine, my wife writes her contribution on how that particular chapter, that particular point was affecting her. My daughter writes two, four, six, and eight. You, we must remember that this is not all about our adversity because our loved ones, I mean, here, I'm the one throwing up. I'm the one losing my hair. I'm the one reacting. What about the people who can't do anything about that? I mean, how do you think they feel? So yeah. you need to, I needed to hear what they were going through. So people reading that book who might be going through an adversity are going to say, here, honey, I think you should read this because I know you're suffering too. It's mm -hmm. you're suffering in silence because you're trying to care for me. And in the Audible version, which is the first of its kind on Audible, according to Audible, so the book was written in third person, Travis, because why? I did not want to give it any energy. So it's he, him, or Frank, even though I wrote it, he, him, or Frank. I'm not going to talk about I had this and I went through that. It's not an I thing. It's he, him, or Frank. So the narrator's portion of the book is third person. Then I jump you into first person journal entries that I had during the time of the adversity as it was progressing. That mm -hmm. I, I, I write in first person. Then my wife and daughter write in first person. In the audible version, you've got a narrator, me, that's mm -hmm. narrating the third person. Then there's my voice in, in first person with this echo effect. It's like I'm inside your head. I'm speaking right to you. The effect we put in place, the sound effect is amazing. And my wife and daughter were narrating their own parts. Very so cool. it's Very almost cool. like a movie without a screen. Yeah. You are a true artist. You are a true artist. I mean, when it comes to your real estate, you know, having seen some of the videos online and pictures of what you've done. And then, of course, the way you express yourself as a as a writer, and then you even took it on an audible level and, and did it in that respect. I, I really uh, I'm going to encourage everybody in Overcomer Nation to uh, listen to the audible, get the book. And let's talk about that. Uh, when you get the book, uh, being the real estate artist that you are, you've enjoyed much success. And I understand that you're you're giving back with that success. There's actually a real estate project that proceeds go to. Can you talk a little bit about that? Very simple. To whom much is entrusted, much is required. To whom much is given, much is expected. That's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 48. If you're not in the Bible, it's a great life mantra. Don't let it turn you off. Uh, yeah, I made a good amount of money in real estate. And so all my books, all eight books, all proceeds from all eight books go to fund the operations of our Caring House Project Foundation, which is an entity that builds self-sustaining villages in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere that being Haiti. We have built 30 self-sustaining villages in the last 20 years, caring for over 13,600 children that were, if this were a hamburger, that they would be eating something that looked like a hamburger, only it's it's mud flavored with bouillon and lemon juice. It's mm. it's a mud patty. It's packed like, a, like you would pack a hamburger, but it's dirt flavored with bouillon and lemon juice. 
in our villages, these children are eating two part protein, one part carbohydrate. So stepping back to the book, one book provides 100 meals in one of our orphanages or in one of our villages. So it, it's, you know, $24.95 or whatever it is, Audible's less, 100 meals are provided by you buying one book. So I encourage people, because everybody's going to go through an adversity. You might not be going through one, but you know somebody who is. Go out and buy a handful. Uh, get them on Amazon. We actually do better on Amazon if you buy them from me, because if you buy them from me, I got to ship them to you. Although I, if you want them from me, you can, you get an autograph. But that's the mission. And I mean, think about it, Travis. We sell we sell a hundred thousand books times a thousand I mean, times a hundred meals. Mm, it's wow. ten million meals, you know. So yeah, yeah. big it, impact. It's big. It's a big game. So every book counts. And and so you'll 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 overcome an adversity yourself by reading it and think about the adversity you'll help the children overcome who will no longer have to eat those mud patties just through your purchase of one copy of, of Adversitology or any of my books for that matter. You know, I, I know Overcomer Nation, uh, if you're not going through adversity right now, it's coming in the future. You know, there's peaks and valleys, you know, maybe you're at the peak right now and that's great, you know, but then we always have to go through another valley to get to a new peak. It's just how life goes. That's how it goes in Death Valley <laughs> when you're doing the marathon and that's how it goes in life. Uh, so if you know somebody, get them the book. Be part of something bigger than yourself. You know, just think of the, where the proceeds go and and why not be an adversitologist anyway, <laughs> you know, because we need to know how to get through these things. So I just want to encourage everybody to get the book. I'm going to start a book club with it. I think it's perfect. Overcomer Nation, let's get a book club going with the adversitology book. Right? Yeah, <laughs> man, I'll, I'll join. I'd love to be a part of that. And, and for any skeptics out there, listen, you could go to adversitology.com. There's a free chapter there. There's a free audible chapter there. There's reviews there. You know, so we give away some so you can feel comfortable knowing that you're going to get a really great message and you're also going to be helping those in Haiti. So, you know, if you need more than just what we've given you today, just remember Adversitology, Amazon, Frank McKinney, hit that buy button, fill the column out with, you know, 10 copies and you're doing a, you know, that's a thousand meals you provided right there. Yeah, that's a, a great question there, Frank. Is there, uh, what's the best way to connect with you? Could you say that again? So, well, to connect with the book at versatology.com, that's the best yeah. way to connect with the book. You can learn about it or just go to Amazon. If you don't need to learn anymore, just go buy it. With me, it's, um, you could go to versatology.com. Let's keep it that simple. And then when you're there, you could pop off to the the real estate, you know, the beautiful houses I built. You can pop off to the, you know, the Frank McKinney page. It's all, it's all on one place. Matter of fact, PC Mag has called my website Disney on a desktop because <laughs> I can take you to Haiti. I can take you to inside of the most expensive houses in the world. You know, I can take you inside all of my books. So then that's just let's do adversitology.com. When you're there, you'll see on the bar on the top all the other drop downs you can choose. That way, you just have to remember one domain, adversitology.com. Awesome. Awesome. Any uh, final words for our listeners? You know, I would just say, getting back to um, living, living life to the fullest, you know, coming out of high school with a one-point GPA and all the trouble I had in juvenile detention, one of the things that I think I, I do better than most is I've exercised my risk tolerance like a muscle. 
you know, you're, you're fit. Like, so you go into the gym and you, you work out your different muscles. Well, your, your risk tolerance, your, your ability to, to withstand risk is also a muscle. So I encourage people to exercise their risk tolerance, their risk threshold like a muscle, because eventually it becomes stronger and is able to withstand greater pressure. To get through life, to get through the mountains and the valleys and all that stuff, we got to take risks, man. We have to take risks. I build $50 million houses without a buyer. Mm-hmm. You know, so I take, I've taken huge risks my whole life, but it didn't start at $50 million. You know, You know where it started, Travis. It started at a $50,000 fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. Me deciding to write eight books in six different genres. I mean, that's all a risk, but – and some of them don't pay off. Mm-hmm. But my last thought, everybody watching, everybody listening – when you're older, let's say you make it to 80 and you're on your front porch in your rocking chair, you're going to have regrets. There's no avoiding it. Regret what you did, mm. not what you didn't do. I failed bad water five times. Do I regret trying? No. I would regret it saying, you know what? I'm really not as fit. I'm getting older. I better not race this year. No, I went out there. And I, you know, listen, I finished that race six times in a row, and then I failed four in a row before I got my seventh finish. So regret what you did, not what you didn't do. Really good. Really good. That's good advice, Overcomer Nation. Really good. Frank, thank you for sharing so generously with our audience. Uh, You've been an amazing guest. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. And I can't wait to be a part of your book club. Awesome. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!